Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Habakkuk 2 from verse 2. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn saying, woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies for the one who makes it trust in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him, is the word of the Lord. 
Last week we met the prophet Habakkuk and his agonized prayer, How long, Lord, and why? How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? We have the agony of the prophet, not in his public preaching, but in his private praying. This scream of frustration, pain and anger, God does not listen, God does not save. And why? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Imagine and feel his despair and frustration. Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. The law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. I hope you cry out to God with these words when you look at the world in which we live. And I hope you cry out with these words when you look at the sin and wickedness that is in all our churches. One day you will cry out to God with these words if you gain God's great passion for his world and for his church. With painful awareness of the gap between the call and will of God and the reality of this world and the reality of his people. God's reply, as we saw last week, I'm raising up the Babylonians to judge God's people, raised up by God so dramatically they captured the great powers of the day one after the other. Syria, Nineveh and Egypt in less than 10 years, Jerusalem and Judah would fall in an instant. But Habakkuk does not like that answer to his prayer. Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. You've ordained them to punishment. But your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Then why do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Yes, in all the agony and complexity of Habakkuk's world, he's asking how can God work in this way? Bravo for Habakkuk's decision. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, what answer I'm to give to this complaint. That is good, isn't it? Because he's looking to God for the answer. In the Lord's reply and revelation. First of all, it's important. Write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets that a herald may run with it. Next, you'll have to wait for it, say, 70 years. Verse 3, the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. And the message itself? See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. 
but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wide betrays him. He's arrogant and never at rest. He's as greedy as the grave, and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Here is a message, a word of both judgment and mercy. Judgment on Babylon and mercy on the faithful people of God. We'll find the judgment on Babylon in verses 6 to 20. But let's look for a moment at this remarkable second line of verse 4, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. It's almost an interruption, isn't it, to the message. Notice the, notice the contrast between the enemy who is puffed up, whose desires are not upright, and the righteous person who lives by his faithfulness. Next, is it faithfulness or faith? Big question. I think faithfulness is the practice and expression of faith. So in Romans, when Paul writes of faith, he's not writing of a one on moment of faith which gives you a ticket to freedom forever. You know, I once believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore I am okay. But he is writing of an enduring faith, a demanding faith, a costly faith, as we see of the, the example he uses of Abraham in chapter 4 of Romans. He, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Or the same message in Hebrews, also quoting these words from Habakkuk. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. So this faithfulness is a constantly dependent faithfulness to God, a constantly dependent trust in God, not an independent and arrogant and self-trusting faithfulness. And as we'll see next week in chapter 3, faith and faithfulness mean trusting in God the Saviour even in the midst of his judgment. This is, by and large, a gloomy chapter, full of judgment. But it contains three great gospel promises, of which this is the first. The righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Three gospel promises, brief but immense, marvelous moments of hope, signs of mercy amidst the overwhelming picture of judgment, promises of a wonderful cosmic future in the midst of current cosmic confusion, disaster, terror, and turmoil. In chapter 1, we read that God would raise up the Babylonians. In chapter 2, we read of the equally dramatic fall of Babylon to the Persians in 539. Background, of course, is that God's people are taken into exile by the Babylonians and Jerusalem and the temple destroyed. And then 70 years later, God's people return to Jerusalem and Judah by the Persian king Cyrus and eventually the temple and the city rebuilt. We have what is called a taunt song. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule 
and scorn. Well, I remember at school, we had a taunt song. We had a jungle gym, which is sort of a metal contraption, which you, if you're clever, you get to the top. And when you get to the top, you look down on all the other children and you say, na, 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 na. <laughs> which I think was meant to be, I'm the king of the castle and you're the dirty rascals. Is that right? <laughs> I never got there at the top, but <laughs> I was always the subject of the taunt rather than the taunt giver. And here is a taunt song, a na, 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 na sung by all the peoples taken captive by Babylon. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you'll become their prey because you have plundered many nations. Those people who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You've destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Notice the, the, the taunt song picks up the fact that there's a kind of natural rest, retribution in human history. The moment Babylon is weakened, of course, uh, the, the captives will rise up against them. And this, you see, is how God judges all nations and all empires, including Australia. Woe to a nation, an empire, which style, piles up stolen goods and makes itself wealthy by extortion. You have plundered many nations. The peoples who are left will plunder you, for you have shed human blood, you've destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Do you know what Britain did to China in the 19th century? The only thing China had to export was tea. Only wealth came from growing tea. So the British sent in a Scotsman disguised as a Chinese, presumably without the bagpipes, to travel around China and steal tea plants and learn how tea was treated to become drinkable. And the, the tea plants were taken off to India and Sri Lanka, Ceylon, and there the great British tea industry began. It's called industrial espionage. At the same time, the British forced the Chinese to buy their opium. The two great opium wars were fought by the British to make the Chinese buy opium for the prosperity of Britain, of course. And then, tragically, tragically, the opium-besotted Chinaman became a kind of a picture in England of benighted natives who didn't know how to live properly. No wonder God closed down the British Empire. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the luches the clutches of ruin. You've plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting its life. The stones of the wall cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Well, that happened in Australia, didn't it? 
We built our nation by unjust gain. And plotted the ruins of many people. I remember that in uh, South Australia in 1850, the local missionaries had learnt the local indigenous language and they'd set up a school to teach the children in their own language. The government of South Australia decided to close the school because every native had to learn English. So they opened a government school which didn't teach English, it taught in English. That was the policy, in fact, throughout Australia. To wipe out indigenous identity and languages and make them learn English, however feeble their English was. Is that not plotting the ruin of a people? Yes, it is. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes it by injustice. Has, the Lord has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labour is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? No wonder in the 20th century the following empires fell. The British Empire, the Belgian Empire, the Dutch Empire, the Portuguese Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the Japanese Empire, the Russian Empire, and Germany twice. And more broadly, Europe fell, leading to the rise of Asia in our present century. But I promised you three gospel promises. The first one, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Here's the second in verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. You see, cities and empires and nations try to fill the earth with human pride, human power, human pretensions by conquest, injustice, rapacity and violence. But one day, the earth will be filled not with human empires, but with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbours, pouring it from the wineskin till they're drunk so he can gaze on their naked bodies. Yes, dishonouring the bodies of your enemies in life or in death is part of warfare today, isn't it? You'll be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming round to you and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you, Babylon, have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you and your destruction of animals will terrify you. The Babylonians pulled down the forest of cedars and the wild animals in Lebanon. For you've shed human blood, you've destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Shaming your enemies, shedding human blood, destroying animals and the environment brings the justice of a sovereign God. Well, the last century was described as the most violent century in human history. This century will be the same? No, it'll be worse, won't it? Because scientists have given us more effective weapons of mass destructions, 
why, which can wipe out nations and their lands at the tap of a button. Global warming is a real threat, but I think global warming will be ended by nuclear winter. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trust in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It's covered with gold and silver. There's no breath in it. And idolatry, you see, is the glue of nations and of empires, isn't it? Idolatry is the glue which holds a nation and an empire together. The idol of a leader or a mighty warrior of or of immense resources for warfare and ideology or belief in a cosmic destiny or the worship of money. Idolatry is the glue that ties nations and empires together and impels them to want to capture the world. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him the third gospel promise. World empires will fall, as will all futile human idolatries. Stop babbling to your idol and submit to the one true and living God. Three gospel promises. The righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Brief but immense gospel promises. Marvelous moments of hope. Signs of mercy amidst the overwhelming picture of judgment. Promises of a wonderful cosmic future in the midst of current cosmic confusion, disaster, terror, and turmoil. Our world needs this message, doesn't it? We are so disheartened as we watch the news with disaster after disaster filling the evening, evening news and our minds. The world is in a mess. The church needs these gospel promises too, because the church is in a mess. God's plan will be achieved. God's promises will be fulfilled. The righteous person will live by his faithfulness. For Jesus, our Lord, was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. 
and the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Yes, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. We stand to praise God together. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise and thank you that the righteous person will live by their faithfulness. We praise and thank you for your promise that one day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we praise and thank you that one day, as you are in your holy temple, all the earth will be silent before you. Amen. <laughs>